0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo today. Just finished watching that Warriors-Kings game, and that was definitely what you could call one of those games. This was the first young athletic team the Warriors have seen early in the season. The Lakers, obviously, they're old as dirt, and the Clippers, they are a veteran team. But... These Kings, they posed a question that I had early in the preseason that I've talked about with a lot of the guests on the show. Who are you going to put on these young, quick guards that the Kings have? Namely, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton. The Kings are feisty. I watched them in their opening game against the Trailblazers, and the Kings don't look As bad as they have in the past. They look like they play some defense. I think Mitchell, he does a good job of bringing pressure on the point guards of the opposing teams and just the guards in general. I'll get to him in a minute, but this game was kind of a slog. They didn't look good (laughs) in the first half. They looked kind of flat a little bit pedestrian. They weren't shooting well and their defense wasn't very good, you know, and the thing that capped it off was that blown layup by Andrew Wiggins at the end of the first half. That was, that was brutal. And Jordan Poole, he started off a little bit rough and man, when he is off, he is way off. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like for a guy that it's a good three-point shooter an improved three-point shooter at that. When he misses, man, he just misses by a mile. The perimeter defense was a bit of an issue. The Warriors, they have a veteran group out there, but they are not necessarily the most athletic, and I've pointed that out. It felt like that was a bit of a challenge. and They didn't have Andre Goodall out there, of course, and I'd rather lose this game than (laughs) <laughs> than uh, force Igadal to play early in the season when he's a little bit sore and beat up. But, you know, the first half was kind of like, meh, this is a Kings team that has been playing with energy. They took it to the Blazers. They played hard against the Jazz and they seem, seem kind of hungry. Good on Luke Walton for getting them up for these games. And so, yeah, they <laughs> came after the Warriors. They played with more immediacy, more intention. But, In the second half, Warriors did enough to win this one. Without Iguodala, they had Juan Toscano Anderson in there. They put Gary Payton II, as we've talked about before. And I just got to say, Gary Payton II, he is proving himself. We talked a bunch on this show about how the Warriors should carry a 15th guy and how that should probably be Gary Payton II. And then in training camp, when Avery Bradley was brought on, how Gary Payton II was the person we were pulling for because he had more bounce, he was hungrier, he is more athletic, doesn't have an injury history like Avery Bradley does. And he came out and after a few like awkward jitters, he showed that he could actually contribute. You know, like they put him on some of those Kings guards early on. He was the guy. He was the guy that like when we would ask in the offseason and the preseason, who would the Warriors have to put on some of these quicker, more athletic guards that Steph or Jordan Poole couldn't stay with or Damian Lee or an older Iguodala. And it was like Gary Payton II. And it was kind of awesome to see him out there doing exactly what we had hoped he would do. And then on top of that, scoring 10 points, getting a couple dunks, hitting a couple threes, and overall just having a pretty solid showing for his first time getting major minutes this season. And again, as this is all just kind of a process, it's like, all right, all right, you know, we're feeling this team out as observers, as fans. And GP2, he is earning the trust of Steve Kerr. He's going to earn more minutes. And to be honest, I'm not going to say he's a great shooter or even a good shooter, but at least his stroke doesn't look bad. It doesn't look terrible. He's been working on it apparently. So maybe it looks better than it used to, but either way going with him over Avery Bradley was definitely a good decision and the Warriors cutting Gary Payton II, and then re-signing him to a non-guaranteed cheaper deal was probably a savvy move on their part. The lineup at the start of the fourth quarter was interesting. It was Gary Payton II, Jordan Poole, Otto Porter Jr., Montescono Anderson, and Damian Lee. There was no Bialica, and of course Iguodala was out for the evening. That was a lineup that... <sighs> That did okay, but then you could tell, like, there wasn't enough scoring, so Kerr took Porter out and put Wiggins in. But, you know, let's just say that unit is way better than anything we saw last year, and I just love the fact that Jordan Poole, even though he... I mean, you could tell that guy just has a short memory, you know what I mean? He's super confident, and even though he had a rough game against the Clippers, he... As my friend Aram in Toronto said, he had a good bounce back game. It helped the fact that he was playing like a bunch of younger dudes and not like Eric Bledsoe or Reggie Jackson or a Clippers team that was focused on him and focused on being physical with him. But Poole brought it, you know, he had some really solid moments. And can I just say, like, I'm so glad that the Warriors finally have another guy who will take it to the basket, who will drive to the basket with aggression. One of the knocks on the Warriors over the last seven or so years is that they haven't had somebody who can just go to the rack. And Jordan Poole isn't like, say, you know, obviously Kevin Durant or from tonight, De'Aaron Fox, with the quicks to just get to the rack whenever he wants. Jordan Poole has to be a little bit craftier, right? He relies on his in-and-out dribble, on shaking people, on screens and everything. But he will go and he will finish. And that's something the Warriors just haven't had in a long time. And I think that adds like a really interesting wrinkle that other teams will have to watch out for. That'll keep other teams honest when they're defending the Warriors. Because yes, Andrew Wiggins, in theory, has the athleticism to get to the basket. But he just has a different way of doing it. You know what I mean? Poole will press and push the defense. Whereas Wiggins, he kind of, you know, like I've said since last season, he doesn't really show that Maple Jordan aggression and athleticism or play with force, but he'll do a spin move and drop into a fadeaway. And speaking of Wiggins, like, man, everybody kind of says, like, yeah, I read that Andrew Wiggins is out of shape and, you know, he needs to get into game shape and that's fine. I'm not too worried about him, but I really can't wait till he gets back into shape because he was missing his threes, his shots in the first half, not just short or long, but to the left, to the right. And we all know that's not a good sign. You know, if your shot is offline, that's, that's bad news. And then, That layup, man, that was just like the epitome of everything that kind of bothers me about Wiggins from last season. He had some time on the clock and he went up with a lefty layup and missed. He missed. And then I looked at the clock and there was still like a second ticking away. He could have gone up there. He could have thrown it down. He could have just like dropped it in the basket if he wanted to. There was nobody guarding him. Thankfully, they didn't lose by one point or two points or anything like that. It's all forgotten. But I will say that, of course, we've all talked about in the past, like, oh, would you rather have Harrison Barnes or Andrew Wiggins? And tonight, you know, seeing HB hit some of those three-point shots from the wing, I was like, oh, I kind of maybe take HB, you know, and his consistency over, over Wiggins because Wiggins, he was plus 18. He had 17 points. He was six for 13, two of five from the field, three of four from the line. And he had four boards. Relatively decent. And he made up for that layup, for that blown layup in the second half. But I think he'll get there. I think he'll get back to that consistency. And, you know, all good. I'm not going to trip too hard on that. But, man, again, you just kind of want to see that, that force at the rim. But whatever. He is who he is. And you got to take the good with the bad. Bielica didn't play very much in the second quarter. He just was missing all of his shots. Maybe he just wanted this win too much against his former team, but he was getting beat off the dribble too, like on switches, and he just didn't have the athletic profile, I'll say, for this game. He wasn't built to guard any of those Kings guards. So the Warriors just went smaller in the second half with their second unit. And, you know, they held up. They held up and it worked. It's great to see that the six minute mark in the fourth quarter when Steph comes in, when Draymond was going to come into, that they were waiting at the scorer's table. And the Warriors just added to their lead. I think Jordan Poole hit a shot. And then it was like four and a half minutes left and they were like, OK, we, we got to call a timeout or stop the game to get these guys in. So, you know, it was one of those games that last year, maybe their margin of error is so slim that the way they played tonight, if this were last season, maybe halfway through the fourth, they are down five, down seven or something like that. But instead they were up. So that's the difference that having a deep team makes. So I'm all good. 3-0. We're good with this. And Steph had uh, a not-so-great night. Shot 9 for 23, 4-15 from 3. He even missed a free throw, you know? So he was 5-6, so that's, that's a bad sign. But he had 10 assists, plus 14, 27 points. He hit big shots when he needed to. Never want to take him for granted. And then Draymond shot 6 for 12, had 14 points. Okay, he shot 12 times. Are you serious? He shot 12 times, like this is what we want. We want him to at least be a threat to shoot wherever it is, whether it's a three, whether it's a mid range, whether it's in the paint, I don't care. It's good that he's shooting because they needed his 14 points for sure. The NBA is back and at DraftKings Sportsbook and authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster of Washington, 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 and oh yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. A couple of final things. It was good. To, <laughs> it was kind of funny to hear all the Warriors fans at Golden One, whatever it's called, the Kings Home Arena. I was watching the Sacramento home feed and they were like, who led in all these Warriors fans? So that was kind of funny. I mean, reminds me, of course, of when Lakers fans used to be up in the Oakland Coliseum when the Warriors were terrible. <laughs> and the Lakers had like Kobe and Shaq. And before the We Believe era, that was always kind of brutal. I do wanna talk about Davion Mitchell. He looked good out there, man. He looked good. Like he looks like he knows how to play defense. I mean, he I think he's like twenty-three years old or something. So he's he's a grown up in the NBA. So he's strong. He has deceptive quicks. He's smart. He seems to be doing his homework from what I've read on his different matchups. His shot's pretty good still. It's translating to the NBA, his three-point shot. And he's got a nice floater. During the draft, I talked to Aram in Toronto a lot about Davion Mitchell. And we definitely, neither of us, wanted him at number seven. But man, when we got Kaminga at seven and Mitchell was still on the board, I was like, oh, okay, I'll I'll take Mitchell at 14. At that would have been a nice mix of a future prospect, very, very like high ceiling, and somebody who can help now. But it didn't work out that way. The Kings took him at, what, nine or something? And we got Moody. You know, I'll take that too. I have no regrets about taking Jonathan Kaminga at seven. I In no universe do I ever wish we took Davion Mitchell, especially now seeing what the Warriors were able to put together in terms of a deeper, more veteran team. And if Gary Payton II can give you the defense, the athleticism, I mean, he was pretty active, you know? And when you're going to get 15 minutes I think he got 17 when you're told you're going to get those minutes and your purpose is to play defense. He went all out and he was smart. I did have a concern that like, oh, maybe he would get called for a bunch of fouls because he's being too aggressive, but he only got one foul. So good on him. He was a plus six for the night and I will take Jonathan Kuminga and Gary Payton, the second over Davion Mitchell. How about that? But yeah, the Kings, they are a fun team, to be honest. Who knows? They might. They might. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them in the play-in round, right? Because that's like the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th teams. I can totally see them being like 10th. That feels like a, a decent spot for them. And the fact that we didn't have Andre Goodall, its it's crazy, right? Because like... I totally forgot about JTA, and I was like, oh, okay, give Andre's minutes to Moody and Gary Payton II." second. And then I was like, oh, totally forgot about Juan Toscano Anderson, a guy who was one of the Warriors' most important players last season. I mean, it's telling that I forgot about him. Maybe my memory's going bad, but also because it means the Warriors have depth, which we've talked about, which everybody is starting to realize, and that's pretty exciting to me. So the Warriors play the Thunder in a couple days, and that's a game that they should win because the Thunder are not good. I'm kind of curious to see how Josh Giddy plays out there. And to be honest, that's kind of about it. Usually there's more dudes on a team that I want to see how they're progressing and check out. But Giddy, because he was drafted surprisingly sixth before The Warriors took Kaminga, thankfully. I'm curious to see how he's panning out. I think he'll be solid. He looked decent in the preseason. I'm not sure how much playing time he gets, but on OKC, I'm guessing he sees the floor for sure. The kid is only like 18. I don't know if he's turned 19 yet, but he's somebody that the Warriors went out to see him play on the Australian national team. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully it's a W. hopefully. Hopefully it's a blowout. You know, so we can sit some of the older dudes and then give some of the younger guys some run. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs!